You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast, and today I'm joined by the frugal SLP, Brooke Tierney. In this episode, we discuss how to tackle your student loans and things to consider if you're pursuing loan forgiveness. You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow us on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by the frugal SLP, Brooke Tierney. I've been following Brooke for a while now and love following along on her journey to being debt-free. Brooke has a social media presence where she talks about living simply and paying off all of your debt, including student loans. I'm so excited to hear her tips for pursuing a degree in speech language pathology and not being paralyzed by student loans. Hey, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on today. Why don't we start with painting a picture for the listeners? Tell us about who you are, what you do today, and how you got there. Hi, cool. Thank you. So I'm Brooke Tierney. I'm a practicing speech-language pathologist here in Southern California. I graduated in 2014 with my undergraduate degree in communication disorders. I then moved to Oregon for three years where I earned my master's in speech and hearing sciences. And during that time, I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to my student loan debt. I was just getting my interest notices and tucking them away in a folder and not paying a great attention to it. So I knew I needed to face my debt when I graduated in June of 2018. And I was reluctant, I was overwhelmed, and it was on my journey to figuring out how to thrive financially despite my student loan debt that Frugal SLP was born. That's amazing. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear your tips and tricks, whether they have student loans due to graduate school or they're considering graduate school, but they're not sure because of the financial costs that are associated with attending. So let's dive into our topics and questions. I'd like to first start off with anything that you kind of want to preface in regards to student loans, like what are some things that people should consider when thinking about, you know, going to graduate school and then after graduate school? Absolutely. So I was initially reluctant to, to go ahead and get my master's. Um, Most of my student loan debt is actually from my undergraduate degree. So I was going into grad school with a lot of debt and that was something that made me feel very reluctant. So what I did was I scoured every program and tried to find graduate assistant positions. So that's something that people can do. And um, with my position, they covered nine credits of my tuition. So that made a world of a difference in terms of my master's degree. So that's definitely something other people can look into. Uh, Working while they're in school as well is a really great way to continue and make sure they're not taking out too much debt. Yeah, those are great tips. Yeah, definitely. And just pay attention to your loans while you're in school. Don't be like me and ignore them and put them on the shelf. I would just recommend to be involved from the start. Look at your interest rates. Look at your loans. 
Um, it is a little challenging to get a master's without any debt, but it's definitely possible. There are a lot of people doing it. So definitely reach out to me if you have any questions about that. That's great. It's nice that they have somebody that they can kind of reach out to along that journey because I know it can feel very isolating. I'll kind of share my like own personal story. When I was applying to undergrad, one of the things my dad said was, you know, don't pick a college too far. You don't, you can't pay for housing, stay closer to home. And then when it came to graduate school, my dad was also like, we can't afford graduate schools. But when I started looking into it, looking into loans, I found out that it could work. It could be a possibility. But then when I got into school, I don't know if you experienced this too, I started feeling this huge sense of overwhelm that this large amount of debt was over my head because I had always worked throughout high school and always used cash and to know that I was going to be dependent on paying this back and be responsible for that when I didn't even have a sure job lined up, you know, after school was really stressful. And so I actually went to a counselor for the very first time to kind of talk about it and Thankfully, the counselor was like, you know, you're going to have a long time to pay these off. Don't stress about it now. Just like focus on getting your education. And I, that was like such a huge sigh of relief to just have that confirmation that this is normal. A lot of people do have to get student loans and you can pay it off in time. And what I found eventually is that they do have a lot of great options available that kind of fit your needs. And then when I got more into it and finally paid off my school loans last September, there were some things along the way that I learned as well. Like I felt personally that I wasn't really guided through choosing the loan that well, because I found out that I had picked like a loan where the interest rate is higher and it would take longer to pay off. Whereas I, if I just paid it off faster and really focused on paying it off um, quickly, then it wouldn't have added up to so much in the long run. So that's my story. And I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts on that, or if you experienced anything similar to that. Definitely. I mean, I have to say congratulations on paying off your student loans. That's such a huge accomplishment. A lot of us, yeah, a lot of us, our loans, you know, the life of the loan is 10 years um, after you graduate, after that grace period. So the fact that you did it in, you know, about four years, that's really incredible. So I felt similar to you while I was in school. I wasn't quite sure what I was taking out. um, And I, don't remember being given the option to pick out specific loans. It was, you know, these, this is your package. This is what you need for school. And I just remember signing and saying, okay, this is what they say I need. So I think a lot of people, especially, you know, 18 year olds, I think I was 18 at the time, taking out loans feel like they're not really involved in that process. And they're not really aware of just how much debt they're taking out. And they might be just like you and taking out, you know, these higher interest loans and having no clue. Um, The loans that I'm currently paying off, um, targeting, meaning I'm putting extra to these loans, they are actually some of the first loans I took out back in 2010 when I started my, uh, my schooling at my undergraduate degree or for my undergraduate degree. And they have some of the highest interest rates. So that's why I'm targeting them and going for them as well. But it's just interesting to know that it's, it, it can be really challenging when you're, when you're only 18 and you're getting into debt that young. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. And you're right. I felt the same way. Like it, you just kind of put your trust in those financial advisors that 
they're providing the best loan. And, and you're right, I don't know that I got choices as well. And then I remember my loans being sold off at another point. So it was just a really messy process. And it's a shame that it is being put on these kids that are getting out of high school and going off on their own. And this, they're already being put on under so much debt so early on in life. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And it can just be really overwhelming at that age. Um, and especially like you said, it doesn't really feel like you're getting a choice. And sometimes your lender changes that happened with me as well. And they sold my, my company went, the company went bankrupt. That was, um, processing some of my loans. They were the lender and they ended up passing it on to another company. And I remember I wasn't getting any notices about them. So I had to go and reach out and say, Hey, where are my loans at now? And uh, it was just kind of interesting, but definitely staying on top of it is great because that does happen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what I would say too, is, um, I didn't point out how many, like how much I had in student loans. It was mm -hmm. in, I want to say it was around like 35,000 total, but I stayed in Florida. I grew up in Florida. I didn't go out of state. I didn't go to a private school and I also had a graduate assistant position. So I just tried to keep my loans as low as possible throughout schooling. And those are a lot of things to consider. Like I have friends who went to a private school around here and they have loans upwards in the hundreds of thousands. So so it's really important to keep that into consideration when you're applying to graduate school and consider, is it really worth going to this graduate school because I'm accepted rather than waiting it out, maybe working as, you know, an SLPA for a little bit and, and keeping, you know, keep on applying to different graduate schools um, until you get into one that is way more affordable. I mean, 100000 versus 30000 for a state school versus a private school is a huge difference. Absolutely. And I learned my lesson with that because my undergraduate degree, I earned it at a private liberal arts school. And that is where the majority of my debt is from. So my master's was from a state school. And I specifically went to that school because I secured a graduate assistant position there. So definitely something to think about um, when you're looking at schools. And another thing is too, if I had let my loan out, what I found out later on when I got serious about paying them off is if I had let my loans go to the life of the loan, what they told me, if I paid off this amount each month and I had this amount of time, I think it was like 15 years, my loan would have actually been closer around 80,000 if I had not paid it off sooner. So once I realized that because the interest rate was so high, I was like, okay, I need to get these paid off as soon as possible because 30,000 versus 80,000 is a huge difference. And it makes it seem easy where you only pay the minimum each month, but really you're paying so much more if you wait to pay it off in the long run. Absolutely. And that is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing as well. I noticed, I'm like, wow, you know, I've put this much towards my loans and only, you know, say at the time it was like a thousand, if that was going to principal, but I had already put thousands, thousands towards my loans. So it's really unfortunate that that's the way it works, but the one way to, you know, make sure you're not putting even extra money towards, you know, giving them your money basically is to try to pay it off sooner. Do you, we kind of talked about this in the beginning, but do you follow like the Dave Ramsey method at all? Or do you follow like another type of method? How did you kind of get into this area? I do follow some of Dave Ramsey's methodologies. I, one example is that, you know, his baby step one is to save a thousand dollars. That way you're not, when you face an emergency, you're not going to send yourself back into financial oblivion. 
And yeah. I, I did that and it made a huge difference for me. Uh, there are some ways where I stray from his methods in that I'm targeting my loans with the avalanche method as opposed to the snowball method. Oh. And do you want me to tell you a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, so the snowball method is the what Dave Ramsey recommends. And essentially you're lining up all of your student loans and you or all of your debt in general and you put the interest rates and you pay them off in the order of the smallest interest rates so it doesn't matter how big the loan is if you just have a say a credit card it has five hundred dollars on it and that's your smallest amount that's where you're going to start so that's where his methodology lies i'm doing the avalanche method which is starting with the greatest interest rate so my greatest interest rate is 6.5 five, that's after the direct debit you can do with bed loans. So it's, I think in a 6.8 and I'm paying off with the greater interest rate first. Okay. That's interesting. It is good for like the listeners to have more than one option to kind of figure out what works best for them. I know that one of the reasons Dave talks about the snowball method is to kind of help you feel more confident about paying off the loan. So he says, you know, if you pay off a small amount, it makes you feel good about, oh, like this is attainable. I can pay this off. And then you pay off the next biggest amount and the next biggest amount until you eventually pay off all of it. So it's like you start small and then you work up big and it just kind of snowballs from there. But I do see the value in your method as well, especially when it comes to interest rates, because those higher interest rates are definitely going to have a huge impact. I also consolidated my loans. Um, I don't remember why I went that route. I know I had quite a few, not few, I had like 15 different loans. And so for me, that was really overwhelming. And once I talked to a financial advisor, I actually ended up consolidating, but I just want to preface this. Like I am by no means a financial advisor, Brooke, I'm sure you're not a financial yeah, advisor, I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor either. <laughs> so, you know, we are not like responsible for these recommendations that we're making. We're just telling you what worked for us. And then you can take from it what you please. And definitely I would recommend consulting with a financial advisor, you know, the loan companies, I think I went through, you know, fed loan was like the government that oversaw my loans. They weren't necessarily the ones that provided the loans. I think it was Wells Fargo, but they have counselors who you can talk to. Definitely. And I would definitely recommend reaching out to the counselors at wherever your loans are serviced from. It can be really helpful. And um, just to touch base on what you said about uh, the snowball method, I 100% agree. When I started paying out my loans or paying off my, it was my credit card debt, I started with the snowball method and it really did help with my motivation. So there's something to be said with that. Once I kind of built up my ability to continue paying debt and feeling like I could live, you know, below my means, I switched to the avalanche method just because I wanted to save more money in the long run. And, you know, the lower, paying the higher interest rate can help how much you end up paying out. Yeah. And I, I feel like you're very focused. You see the benefit in doing this. You are like goal oriented. So I think you just have to, for the listeners, you have to see like what your personality is. Like, do you lose motivation very quickly? If so, you might want to do the snowball method or are you very like goal oriented and focused and you can see what the long-term benefits would be. In that case, you might do the avalanche method. I totally agree with that. I think that's a great piece of advice. So tell me about what your recommendations are for decreasing expenses and increasing income. Absolutely. So a lot of people find they have to live very frugally in order to send extra to their debt. 
So what I would recommend is looking at your biggest areas where you're spending money. So that just requires you to look through, you know, your bank statements, look and see where your money is going right now. And oftentimes people are spending the most money on, you know, rent, transportation, and food. So finding ways to cut those down, it could be getting a roommate or potentially moving back home, or there's a lot of other things you can do to, to decrease your rent expenses. Um, some people move into a room and rent it from someone else's in their house. So they're renting a room in someone's house. So it just depends on you and your situation. If you're someone who's married with kids, that might not be feasible. So you might need to look for other areas where you can cut. Uh, the grocery budget is another really great area where people can cut. I would say, I think that's where I've cut the most. Um, I remember I was spending maybe 500 a week back when I lived in Oregon uh, on groceries and shopping at a very fancy market where they <laughs> sold all cute baubles and trinkets and stuff. <laughs> but now, you know, I'm spending, it's, it's about 70, 60 to 70 a week. So there's definitely areas where you can cut and it just, it just you just have to look at your own budget, your own, where your money's going and see where you can cut. I love that suggestion of kind of taking inventory of what you're currently spending and then seeing, okay, like, can I cut down in these different areas? That money has to come from somewhere. And those things that are not a necessity are a great place to start. Definitely. Uh, but I do think you're right. You have to find the money somewhere and it often just depends on where, where is it currently going and how can I shift that money and kind of spend it in a way that aligns with my goals. I think another suggestion, depending on like how much debt you have, um, you know, think about things that you can sell too. We did the Marie Kondo method over this summer and I don't know, do you know the Marie Kondo method? Are you familiar yeah, with it? I, I also did that as well. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's so freeing. And I felt, I felt really guilty about how much stuff we had just sitting in closets that we would buy on Amazon and maybe it didn't work out for us or we used it for a short period of time and then we never used it again. And so it made me at least a lot more mindful about making purchases, especially online purchases because your credit card is on there and it's just so easy to click, you know, ship and it's there the next day. So we did the Marie Kondo method. And then within that, we gave a lot of stuff away, but then we also had things that we had like never even used and we were able to like sell and then take some of that money and put towards our debt as well. Absolutely. And I did a similar thing at first. Um, you know, we downsized, I sold a lot of furniture, sold a lot of clothing. Uh, there was, there were quite a few things that I sold that helped. And I think not only does it help with giving you a little extra income, but it also helps you, like you said, with your spending, because you're more mindful. If I'm going and, you know, grabbing every item I own and I seeing what I really like and what I use, I'm a lot less likely to go and buy a lot more. So that's something that's helped me a lot is just really being mindful about my purchases and sometimes selling things can help you do that. And, you know, the reason that we're talking about this, you know, it seems a little desperate, like, oh my gosh, I have to sell my stuff or I have to cut down on my coffee or cut down on my food purchases. But you have to remember that the interest rates on that loan, it continues to add up. So the longer that that loan sits 
with that interest rate, you know, around 7%, that's going to continue to add up. And you're really just paying towards, like you were saying, the interest and not necessarily like the principal balance. So by selling things, you can start paying off that interest faster and paying more of that principal balance and getting that down. Because the more that that principal balance goes down, then the percentage is going to be less if that makes sense think about the peace of mind as well there's yeah there's not a price you can put on that but just not having that this debt looming over your head is just one other great aspect as well great okay so let's talk about paying extra to debt and knowing um how to pick the loans to target we, i think we kind of talked about this with the avalanche versus the snowball method but is there anything else you wanted to add to that yeah so one Thing, one kind of thing to think about is that you really want to list out all of your debts. You want to list out the interest rates and the current balances and the type of debt. So that's something that can help you make a plan. So the important thing is you list it out, you face it, um, you deal with the emotional component of, oh, I have this debt. And then you make a plan. So it's very empowering if, if you're, especially if you're proactive about it. And I think that's a really great way to get started and make a plan of which loan you're going to target. So whether you use the snowball or the avalanche, the important thing is that you really do know your loans and you get to know them in a way. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you actually provided this freebie that we will include in the show notes. It's called the debt tracker and it has the different columns for debt name, type of debt, interest rate, and current balance. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I actually list out, I listed out all my debt on an Excel spreadsheet and this paper that I gave you, it's basically just a paper form of that. So if people want to use it as an example and they can make their own on an Excel sheet that they can continue to, to update in real time, or they can just write them out physically on this paper. It just really, that's when the game changed for me <laughs> was when I started to list everything out and I was. I really acknowledge like this is my debt and I'm going to make a plan to get rid of it. 100%. I think that is so important for people to hear because when it's out of sight, it's out of mind, right? And if you have, let's say you have automatic payments set up, which is also a good idea because I think you do get like a lower interest rate or something as a result of setting up auto payments. So I would definitely recommend doing that if it's, you know, if it is available to you. Um, but if you do have auto payments and you have the minimum payment going towards your loan every month, then you're not really seeing like what your balance is. Is it going down? Because most likely you're getting like these electronic statements. So by being aware and writing it down on paper, it just has a different effect than if you periodically check the website here and there. Totally agree with you because you're, also being mindful of where your money's going. So if you're looking at your debt more often, you're more likely to make decisions with your spending that will help you reach those goals of paying off debt faster. So I think there's just so many important aspects to this, to writing out your debt and looking at it often. And I just thought of something. So for me personally, I notice a difference when I was continually trying to sign into the online platform and forgetting the password because it had been so long since I had been in there before and up until the point where I knew my password every single time I signed in. So I think this is a, a good way to kind of look at this 
problem of student loans and if you need to get more serious about it is do you know your password to the <laughs> online platform where your loans are located because if you don't you forgot it then it probably says that you need to look more into this and you know be more mindful of tracking those student loans and what you're paying off every month I totally agree with you. I was in the same position. I didn't know my <laughs> password initially, but now I know it like the back of my hand. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I would like to jump into talking about things to consider if you're pursuing loan forgiveness. Yeah. So there's the opportunity, at least in the United States, for people to get public service loan forgiveness, and you have to work in a specific setting. And something that I really want people to know is that you can actually make sure that you're, the place where you work is an accurate, like an actual place that will help with the forgiveness early on. So you can submit an employment certification form and make sure that at the end of these 10 years, if I work at this place, my loans will get forgiven. And I think that's really important because some people who have been applying and waiting at the end of the 10 years have not been approved. So don't be one of those people, just be on top of it early on. So that way you can know that, that you will actually get the forgiveness. Um, something else to think about is that if you change jobs, you would need to resubmit an employment certification form. It doesn't mean payments that you've made don't work. It would just, they would continue to work towards um, your 120 payments you would need for those 10 years but you just wanna make sure that your new place of employment would actually be viable for the public service loan forgiveness. Do you know where they go to find that? Yeah, so I can give you the link, but it's on the federal aid website. So this is for people with federal student loans. Okay. Yeah, so I would go, yeah, on Fed, I'll, I'll give you the link later. Um, something like consolidating, like you mentioned, you consolidated, that can affect um, the public service loan forgiveness. So just think about that. Okay, perfect. And then you were saying that some people have federal student loans. I'm guessing there's another type of student loan. Like I always went through our financial aid office. So what other types of loans are there? Yeah, so the majority of people are taking out federal student loans or private student loans. So technically, you know, the Wells Fargo one you might have had or something like that, that would be private. And there's a few private service um, servicing companies as well. And um, this definitely is different because a lot of the people who have loans through private companies do, don't qualify for public service loan forgiveness um, if they're only with private companies. So, and sometimes the interest rates are a little bit more aggressive. So it's definitely challenging if you do have um, loans under private lenders. That's really interesting because like I said, I did go through our financial aid office at the school. So, and I know that I think originally it was um, a federal company that I got my loans and then Wells Fargo bought out those loans. So that's interesting. I would really have to look into it. I mean, thank goodness, like they're paid off now, but that's kind of scary for people who do go the federal route and then their loans get bought out and it's by a private company. Absolutely. And these companies are for profit. So they have profit in mind. And that's not exactly what you want to um, be thinking about when you're thinking of your loan servicer. So yeah, definitely just be mindful, keep track of where your loans are, because yeah, the company can buy it out. And it's just important that you're still going to owe it. So just make sure you stay on top of it. Oh, man. Well, 
I would love to kind of end with a game and this game is kind of revolving around money and saving money. So are you ready to dive into that? That sounds great. All right. I think that, you know, if people do have to start cutting down on expenses in order to get more aggressive with their student loans, they still want to have fun. And if they have a partner, they probably still want to go on date nights. So I was curious if you had any good inexpensive date ideas. Definitely. I have definitely made a lot of changes in this area. So we love to cook together. So that's something that I do not only with my husband, but I do with friends as well. So we just make a plan. So who's going to bring what item and then we'll make a meal together. And then you also get to enjoy the meal together after. So I think cooking together is one of the best frugal date ideas. I love that. Yeah, we did a lot of cooking together too when we were cutting down. What about saving on therapy materials? Yes, so I think it's easy to go a little wild. Teachers pay teachers um, right out the gate when you're (laughs) graduating. But I want to, you know, caution everyone to really make a plan for what materials they think would elevate their therapy. So look at maybe start out not buying anything see what you use the therapy most and because if you're buying things and you might not end up using it so really think about the things you want to buy and i also give myself a limit so i'm allowed to buy one to two therapy materials a year in terms of on you know materials on teachers pay teachers and that makes me more mindful so i end up buying materials that i can use all of the time rather than something that i'd use once so i think that's important and i would say utilize your library i use books and when I'm working with kids so often, and you can get books at the library and bring them back rather than buying every single book that you love. And I think that's a really great route to save some money as well. Yeah, that's a great tip. I mean, there's so many free resources nowadays, whether it's through an email sign up or Teachers Pay Teachers has free downloads or like free websites. If you are an educator, you can put in your educator email like Epic. I know Epic Books is a, a great resource as well. And there's some good blog posts from other SLPs about just using basic office materials like uh, dry erase markers and tape and paper clips and rubber bands. So maybe look on Pinterest for some of those blog posts. Yeah, and I, I tend to also do a lot of what Deborah Brooks does, and I I like to draw, and I use that a lot in speech. You really just need a marker and paper, or you can do it on the whiteboard, and um, it's a great way to start a conversation with your students and have a visual. So just drawing out where it is you want to work on. Yeah, great idea. I love that. So because you are so focused on paying off your loans and your budgeting, I want to know how you reward yourself too. It's really easy to burn out when you're putting all your money towards loans rather than things you maybe want. <laughs> so I, I tend to reward myself a lot by words, um, a lot through words of affirmation. So just telling myself often, wow, you're doing a great job, you know, that kind of thing. So that way I feel, you know, confident about what I'm doing. And additionally, making a plan. So it might be that I have a movie night planned with my husband or with a friend. And we're just, when I reach a milestone, wow, we're going to have, you know, pasta and wine tonight. We're going to, you know, make it in a special way. So just little things you can do to celebrate milestones, but don't be hard on yourself as well. Be positive. Make sure that you're encouraging yourself along the way. 
Yeah, great suggestions. I love that. And um, I'd like to know what is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self? So I would tell myself not to use credit cards as a safety net during grad school. And I would probably encourage myself to save a little bit of an emergency fund or rainy day fund prior to starting graduate school because it just seems to attract little uh, mishaps when you're going through something that stressful. So I think just being a little bit more savvy in terms of where, how I'm spending my money as well. That's a really great piece of advice, especially for someone who is either applying to grad school or going through it now. I think that's awesome. So thank you so much for sharing all of those amazing tips. Now, people would like to find and connect with you on social media or website. Where can they find you? So I'm mostly on Instagram and you can find me at frugal SLP on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brooke. This was probably one of my favorite episodes because this is a topic that a lot of people don't talk about, but, and it's very uncomfortable. So I hope nobody felt too uncomfortable listening to this or too stressed. We really wanted to try to empower you and motivate you in case you are stuck paying off student loans and feeling kind of stuck um, because I know I sure felt that way during the process, but it is possible to pay off your student loans. And I think Brooke, you shared so many amazing ways that they can do that. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be able to spread the word about this and basically trying to help empower people in terms of their finances. Awesome. Well, until next time. Thank you. Did something in this episode really resonate with you? Want to know what other SLPs thought about it too? While you might feel isolated in your work setting, every week you're tuning in with thousands of other SLPs. Crazy, right? You can connect with some of these other SLPs on the private Speechy Side Up Pod Facebook group so you don't have to feel like you're doing this alone. We just ask that you leave a positive review before you request to join. This helps to spread the word and get more interviews with experts in our field. Thank you for listening and I hope to see you on Facebook.